Alex, thank you so much, man, for uh, joining me. I uh, I really appreciate you doing this. You know, we uh, when we first met at uh, Comic Con Revolution, um, you were you were tabling already. You already had uh, a full volume of your um, your graphic no novel from within already printed, and I was just really you know floored by you. And I uh, having you here as you know my first guest. I really wanted to kind of dig into kind of how you you decided to go from someone thinking about making comics to someone who actually made comics. Like, kind of what was that process like? Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. Um, yeah, first off, just great to hear you again. Like, I don't think we've gotten to talk since you had your kid. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, uh, you know, we actually, I, I kind of sidebar, like this whole podcast really came from our conversations when we used to go get coffee before I had a kid. Like I really missed them. I remember like sitting down and, you know, talking with you and just discussing all things like comic books. And I was like, man, I wish this, like, this would be a really cool podcast. And ever since I had that idea, it was like inception. I couldn't like shake it from me. And so like, it's, it's great to finally, you know, chat it up with you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, already uh, derailed your podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, man. Derail me all you want. That, that actually probably sounds way more natural than what I was doing. So, like, uh, regular conversations probably probably the best. Yeah, but uh, to your question, though. So, I, I look at my writing life in two phases. Uh, there's the introduction to comics in college, and I fell head over heels with the medium, and I kind of played around with scripts and I made a couple of like small published comics, but uh, I'm not going to talk about those. Those are my first ones, but uh, I don't need to shine a spotlight on those further. But <laughs> you know, the, the first one, but the first ones are always like, they're supposed to be crap. Like no one comes out of the gate and it's just like Hemingway, like even Hemingway started, you know, awful like hp lovecraft no one even even when he was alive no one cared about his stuff so like i think it's absolutely normal that i mean my my stuff was crap you know every i think everyone's is is you know is crap but i you know what what made i guess what made you not to like cut you off but what made you like decide comic books like why why the comic book medium it's it's so special like uh I think with TV and film, I'm so aware of the constraints of that medium. There's not a lot of room for them to just go in crazy directions. Like, generally speaking, if you have, like, a big, like, TV cast, short of something like Walking Dead or Gaming Thro Game of Thrones, I guess, you can't just kill a big-name actor most of the time, or if you're gonna do it, it's probably gonna be, like, a season finale or some like, real set obvious point where that could occur. But comics can literally just change an entire cast on a dime from issue to issue. They could go into all kinds of crazy settings, uh, time periods, all kinds of stuff that would just be a budget nightmare for any other type of production. And I just love that level of creativity. That's awesome. So what made you, I guess, you, you were messing around with kind of some self-publishing stuff that was small, um... And then what made you just, like, take the plunge? Because um, I think it's just an amazing story, and people should should hear it, that this plunge where you went from, like, dabbling with really small stuff to going full-blown trade paperback, 100-plus page graphic novel. Like, what like what made you decide to do that? And kind of, like, what was that process for you to kind of go from, like, just the idea to making it happen? Yeah, uh 
Well, with my career, like, I always kind of look at it as I always go a little further than I probably should. Like, those first projects were definitely me trying to make the magnum opus big Claremont type of thing, and that wasn't a good idea. So I kind of dropped it down to a two-volume series, which whenever I talk to anyone about that, they tend to look at me like I'm crazy, which... I guess in hindsight it probably was, but man, I uh, love it. I, I love it because you you were like, this is what I want to do, and I'm gonna freaking make it make it work. Like that, like when I when I met you at Comic Con Revolution, like I was just in awe in a good way of like just the the stones it takes to do something like that, and like that's why I wanted wanted you know to talk to you and put you on this podcast, man, because like I think it's really cool that you just decided like despite you know all the odds you went and did it man like you have them published they're out there people can buy them like it's awesome yeah thank you i'm sometimes a little too stubborn for my own good but that often does lead to some pretty cool stuff thankfully um as for your point though the second phase was around 2014 and 2015 i moved to illinois and I was mostly focusing on my day job because uh, student loans were kicking in and those weren't fun. And yeah, yeah, thankfully they're done. Uh, I've been incredibly fortunate to say that they're done. Yeah, thank you. And around that time, like I said, I was so focused on the job and I, I was just kind of realizing one day, like, man, I'm miserable. And I, I just couldn't quite put a finger on why it just kind of snuck up on me and eventually I realized oh yeah I haven't written in like a year like exactly a year by that point so I decided okay I'm gonna give this a go that this my like subconscious is trying to tell me something here uh, so I started working on my craft a bit I took a couple classes from my comics experience here and there and I was kind of playing around with some other short stories that never really amounted to anything. But then I came across an opportunity, and I guess it came with this story that just kind of grew into a two-trade concept. And I just found an artist, and I went for it. I guess the real thing that makes it even crazier if I was to one-up everything I've said up to this point is the fact that I hired the artist uh, Renzo Podesta on, let's just say, Thursday. And I had outlines for the story, but I didn't have a single page written up to that point. And I told him that I will have a script for you for chapter one, like about like 22 pages. I'll have this for you by Monday. And uh, I did succeed at that, but <laughs> at, from then on, I pretty much had a perpetual uh, deadline kind of going over me. But that was the quickest way for me to just go for it, like sink or swim. Let's see what I've got. I mean, there, there's so much I want to talk about with that because it's just – I think the first, the first thing I want to talk about was um, probably most young writers – especially in the comic book um, industry um, or new writers, I shouldn't say young, but new writers uh, in the, you know, they want to make comics and the hardest hurdle or the biggest first hurdle 
every writer has to overcome is how do you find an artist? And I know for me, right, uh, with my project, Man of Sin, I had two artists on board before I found Camillo, and it was extremely difficult, and I had to go, uh, it was a kind of a learning curve uh, trying to figure that out. So I was just wondering, how, how did you go about finding your artist, and then kind of, um, you know, why, why did you pick him out of, you know, all the other artists you could have picked? So one of the things I learned from my phase one, the early college days, was this site called Digital Webbing, which is still up. And it's still what I've used for every artist I've worked with so far. And uh, it's basically a giant job wanted ad for artists. You put up what you're looking for and you will just get blitzkrieged by emails from artists of all kinds of skill levels. Uh, some amazing that are far outside of your price range, and then some that are clearly just starting out. And of that list, I think there was one person I was going to go for first, uh, but then they never replied back to me. They ghosted. Um, and then Renzo came along, and of everyone else's stuff, and even the person who I was going to go with originally, uh, Renzo was by and far the best artist of that batch. And we seemed to hit it off pretty well. Um, you know, getting along with your fellow creators isn't always essential, but that is a bonus if you ch uh, if you can gel with them. So I got him through there, and that's how we got started. When, when you started working with Renzo... Um... Was that the first time you collaborated with someone, or did you collaborate with someone like on those earlier projects you were talking about? The earlier projects, because I can't draw to save my life. It would save me a lot of money if I did, though. Um, so it, I guess the best advice I could say to anyone who is looking to make comics, if you are in a position where you're comfortable trying to illustrate your own stories, go for it. Yeah, so, you know, I know with, with me, one of the... Uh, the first learning curves I had was like, how does this collaboration work? Like it, it was, you know, it's kind of like a feeling out process, at least for me, like when me and Camilo first started working, uh, together, like I had the script and everything, but there was like, I didn't know how to really communicate with an artist. I didn't know how to, you know, ask for edits. I didn't know how to do those things. So like, was that something that was pretty easy for you? Like right off the bat, or was it something that you kind of had to work through as you started working with Renzo? Uh, every collaboration, I'm finding new ways to improve upon that aspect. Uh, from the early college days of me working with uh, artists, I I did okay. I think my, my scripts at the time weren't the best at conveying uh, what needed to be said. Uh, so some of those got a little difficult because I guess the real difficulty with writing for comics is you're writing with still images and it's very easy to accidentally find yourself in situations where you're factoring in motion that can't exist or one action per panel. You can't have this person do this and this at once. It's just not going to work. Um, <laughs> but, you know, over time with uh, Renzo specifically, I, I got a sense of what he's good at and uh, some of the things that, you know, he might not be as interested in. Uh, putting on the page. So, 
you know, at each script, especially in the second half, was more of me um, knowing, okay, I know he's going to absolutely kill this page. I'm going to write it like this. And that's the best way to do collaborations is kind of figuring out what they enjoy doing and trying to make it as much fun for yourself as with them. Because if they're having fun with your story, it's going to look fantastic nine times out of ten. Yeah, for sure. I know when I... Uh... You know, when I started working with Camillo on Man of Sin, uh, like the first script was literally just a script that I could have given to anyone. Like, um, but by like our fourth script together in the final issue, uh, it was like pretty shorthand that I don't think any other artist would not only understand, but would like to read. But it worked for uh, Camillo. So like, I totally get like finding that shorthand. And so like when you went back you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of jump back here a little bit. You said you signed the contract to work with Renzo and all you had was an outline. Uh, why was that? And then what, like you, you obviously got it done, but like, was the, just the motivation for you to just lock in an artist and see what happens? Or was it like some freak accident or how, how did that occur? And then like, did it make your writing better? Did it make the, the process better? How did that work? So factoring in where I was about five years ago, because I signed on the diet line around five years ago to this date. That's when the contract was signed, about fall 2015. I had this uh, fear in the back of my mind for a while. Um, I didn't want to be one of those writers who said they were a writer but didn't do anything. I think that's a bit of a, a stereotype that you know, tends to show up in a lot of media, and, like, I was uh, kind of getting that feeling even when I was writing back in, like, college. Like, I just, I'd call myself, like, oh, I'm a writer, but it's like, am I really? Like, I'm not really, like, there's a lot of uh, self-doubt issues at the time, because I was still kind of early in that phase. And I came to the conclusion at the time that, okay, this is my second go of it, and I'm not getting any younger, and... Sometimes life can make you have to do things and maybe, like, I didn't want to basically be in a situation where I was thinking, oh, man, if I just did this, I maybe could have done something. I just, I, I never wanted to really think of it like, if only I did this. So I figured, okay, I'm going to make one loud go of this. If this is all I got, at least I have two books to show for it. That was my thought process so, uh, in that state of mind, I threw up the job wanted, I got the artist I wanted, and I, no, no turning back now, I just gotta get it done, one way or another. It doesn't matter if I'm feeling down that day about the story, if I'm not feeling like I can write a single word at the time, none of that matters when you have committed to working with an artist and their job is dependent upon drawing pages that you wrote. You know, you can't say, like, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry you're not able to pay the bills today, uh, my friend. Uh, I just wasn't feeling it that day. That, that's just not going to cut it at, at that point. You're going to have to get it done one way or another. Man, so you almost had to, you almost, like, forced yourself to feel like this pressure. And I, I really like that you, you mentioned that when you were starting out in college you had this like 
imposter syndrome like I want to be a writer but I'm just a wannabe or like oh I you like you had this internal feeling inside of you that you were a writer like you were trying to like you knew it was in there but you hadn't produced anything yet and it wasn't you know um, or the things that you were producing you weren't really that proud of at the time and I think a lot of people like myself included definitely um, not only felt like that, but a lot of times we still feel like that. Like there'll be times where I'm less like sitting, trying to write a script and I'm just like, Oh my God, what am I doing today? Like I could be doing anything else but this. And I think it's just that internal drive. And what, what I, you know, I, th I, I love that you said, you know, you put your name on a dotted line and you had to just find a way. And so when you were like going through uh, that first script, did it come out very fast? Were you worried about edits? Were you worried about how good it was going to be? Or were your only thought process like, I have to get this done because someone else is depending on me? That first issue in particular was very, that was as fast as I've knocked out a script out of every single one of them because I signed the contract on Thursday. That means I had Friday through Sunday really to get this done. So I basically sat down on Saturday, especially like I, I kind of had some stuff written on Friday night, but I sat down Saturday morning and I did not leave the desk until I had a draft done. And then Sunday I tweaked it a bit. Um, but for the most part, that was a product of me sitting down Saturday and just going berserk with it. And it was one of the best feelings uh, of my life at that time because it was like all those moments of double, like basically like questioning myself and thinking like, oh, is that the best panel? Oh, is that like the best line to say? None of that was in the equation. That was, we are getting this done. And not only was I getting it done, but I felt really damn good about it at the time. So there's like, man, like there's a, there's a quote what this podcast is named after. Uh, it's from Charles Bukowski, Charles Bukowski's poem, Roll the Dice. And the opening line is, if you're going to try, go all the way. And like literally this story, I couldn't have been happier that you know, you're my first guest, because you literally just did that. You're like, you, you, you cut your internal editor off, and you had to go all the way. And so there was no trying, you just made it happen. And I, I think that's just awesome. And I hope like, anyone who's listening to this could kind of get something from that, that like, once you like put your mind, like, once you got all that self doubt out of your head, and it was like self inflicted, like, I, you know, it wasn't like you, you, you meant to do this, like you had some grandmaster scheme, you just kind of by happenstance you did it which I, I love uh and you just like went and got it done man which is like uh, just really commendable man uh, it's like really inspiring too um and hopefully someone you know listens to this and it gets them to push their fear aside and like move on like just get their thing done and what what really is interesting too about that story is like how how like great you felt afterwards um, one of my favorite writers, um, his name is Stephen Pressfield. He writes the book, uh, The War of Art. And he talks about um, writing the first draft of a novel that he put off and put off and put off. And then all of a sudden, after he, he wrote the end, he's washing the dis dishes and he's whistling. And he like didn't realize how happy he felt that he finally got something uh, done that he, didn't, he was too afraid to do um, beforehand. And I, I think you, you kind of had a very similar experience, and I, I absolutely 
I absolutely love that. I think it's it's awesome. When uh, after you got that done, how long was it before you got to the second script? And then how long was it before you got that uh, whole first volume? Did you put the, did you put these out as like floppies, or did you go straight to the trade paperback? The original plan was to do floppies, um, but as I was looking at the comic industry, I was realizing that. I was very aware from my experience of hand selling, you know, at college shows and um, the few couple comics I did before this one. That if I did in floppies, I probably wouldn't get to issue five, let alone issue three, because the hard reality of sales is pretty brutal uh, when you're an indie writer. So I was like, okay, well. A lot of people are probably going to wait for the trade anyway. What if I just go for a paperback then? It's a nice, thick story that makes it a little bit more enticing. And it has more of a fulfilling reading experience anyway. So I ultimately switched it into a paperback book. Maybe about halfway through production, around issue two or three, I became aware I was going to do that. And so, as when, far as the, oh, sorry, go on, bud. Oh, my bad. Um, as far as your other point, it's hard for me to exactly remember when the other ones came out. Two was probably about a month later. Two and three were probably about a month apart. You know, like uh, if I signed a contract in September and gave it to him in September, then I probably had two and three in October and November, respectively. Or pretty close to that, maybe like a month and a half after that. Two was a little bit more agonizing. Two was a little bit more, okay, I have breathing room now, so some of that stuff started coming back a little bit. <laughs> um, but When you, you know, say I, this stuff, was it like the self-doubt? Not exactly self-doubt, but it was just more of like, okay, do I want to go through this or this? Like, um, I had options, and sometimes having too much freedom can be a little... A little tricky because I, I didn't quite have my processes ironed out as I do now. Uh, this story, uh, both volumes of this story, in my personal opinion, you can see my entire evolution as a writer from each chapter of this story. Because uh, I've broken up in like 20 page chapters, you can kind of tell because I put some of the original cover ideas as like chapter breaks. But with each one, I can literally see myself struggle and claw my way into this process. And you know, I think around, if, if I was really being critical of myself, and I don't know if anyone else will necessarily see this, but and I don't mean critical and uh, um, tear myself down way for the record. I don't really look at myself like that anymore. Like when I say those, those type of words in particular, it's more like college when I felt that way. Uh, this is the story that really helped me purge a lot of that out uh, and some of the other stuff I did prior. But, you know, I'd say chapter four is really when I feel like I kicked into another gear. Uh, four onwards, like each chapter out dead, and I just thought, okay, this is, uh, this is going in some really interesting places. Like I was really surprising myself with, with some of the stuff I was putting on that page. Yeah, man, like it, uh, it came out absolutely great. Like I was, you know, um, 
I was definitely floored. I, I've only read uh, volume one so far. I got to get volume two from you. Um, and so, so now you had volume one. Has volume? I don't remember, so I, apo I apologize. Has, have you released volume two yet, or is that still kind of? I know you have it done, but is that um, has that been published yet? It hasn't. Uh, the biggest reason is the simplest answer is COVID. Uh, COVID happened. I, I put a very bold declaration at the end of the first volume that From Within would be released again in 2020. Uh, me not being aware, obviously, that pandemic was going to happen and, you know, really hurt the comic industry uh, in a way that, like, my original model for putting it out wasn't going to be the same. It's being lettered right now, and I'm putting together some extra bonus content for that book. The release of it is still being finalized. It's probably going to be coming out early next year. I, I'm comfortable saying that. Nice. I guess, you know, this is a perfect kind of segue. What uh, Are you working on anything uh, in the meantime? Kind of like what, what other, do you have any other projects in the pipeline? Yeah, I can, I can throw you an exclusive. Look so, at me getting exclusive from Alex Breen. Look at that breaking news. Yeah, there you go. So I am working on a horror anthology that, well, you want me to go more into this? Because I'm not sure if I, you want me giving a whole lot to you. Yeah, man. Go do whatever you want, man. Okay. Well, I'm working on a horror anthology for Nightmare Theater. And it's an eight-page short story. The way I pitched it was like the surrealist type imagery of Nightmare on Elm Street mixed with personal, like the raw emotional horror of Cairo. And it's got art from and uh, Anna. I apologize in advance if I butcher your last name. Uh, I'll have to hear the pronunciation uh, some other time. But uh, Anna Weischick is my artist and my letterer is DC Hopkins and it's just a murderer's row of creative people like it's just it's an amazing uh, horror comic it's I'm incredibly proud of it so that's going to be getting a kickstarter in the near future and then there's another story that I'm working on it's a crime short that I'm Pitching to a publisher, but worst case scenario, if that doesn't pan out, I'll just DIY it and release it for free probably at the end of the year. Yeah, I will say, you know, I've uh, I've seen the uh, the work with uh, uh, Anna, right, for the horror anthology. anthology. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that, uh, that comic is just absolutely, like, the way it looks, the way you guys put it together, it's, it's stunning, man. You guys did a really nice job. And it's definitely, like, totally you, too. Like, even though it's, like... Uh, not from within because from within is kind of like a martial arts book uh the, the horror thing kind of fits you man well thank you it's both of them were incredibly personal works in different ways um so i, I kind of had to chuckle a little bit when you said that was so me it's like well i hope that's a good thing <laughs> no like you I, i've known you now for about like a year and a half and we talk comics all the time and I, I see, you know, and I've read your comic um, from within. And then, you know, I, I kind of, you know, we show each other 
kind of, you know, we bounce ideas back and forth uh, from each other and we show each other our work. And it's just, you, you definitely have a, a your own kind of style and pacing and and uh, it's definitely you. And, you know, going back to what you, you learned um, with from within, kind of getting those, forcing yourself to get those like 60, you know, 100 plus pages under your belt, you know, it, it kind of helps you find your voice, finds your style, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Uh, and you definitely, you got your own, like, got your own thing going. So it's, uh, you know, bravo to you. I think that's one, you know, one thing that, you know, new writers have a, a trouble with is they don't know, they don't have their voice yet. They don't have their, their style yet. Um, you know, um, or they're afraid of sounding like someone else. Um, so I think it's just really cool that, you know, I could definitely see one uh, for you for sure. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. As far as the finding your voice bit, I have to comment on that for a second. It, that's something that comes with time. It's, it's not something you're going to get immediately. Uh, and I think even when you find your voice, I think it's a good idea to wear your influences on your sleeve because inevitably someone will probably be aware of where you got an idea from. But that's that's okay. We all get our ideas from somewhere. It's a slow process of you, at least from my perspective, which is really the only thing I can say for this, but I have a better understanding of who I am as a person now than five years ago, and that no doubt has helped me to write better stories. Uh, so some of that just kind of comes with time and you know getting older. And then the other part of it is just putting in the work and a committed effort to not necessarily the write something every day thing. Uh, I appreciate the notion of that, but I prefer it to be more of when I sit down to write, I am fully committed 100%. That, that's the approach I tend to take. So that's more of a, maybe the, today isn't the best day for me, but I'm going to give it my best go. And I'm going to, at the very worst, put down what I'm going for on the page in as blunt of a way as possible. And then I can find a way to pretty it up later with rewrites. Yeah, I, you know, I used to do a, a, a thing where I wrote every day and then I had a child and that was not... Uh, that was not in the cards anymore. And so I very much have like a, you know, I write when I can and I, I take it very seriously when I can. And like, I have a very set like goal or, or, or point I want to, I want to make like, whether it's, I need to get this scene down or I need to get, you know, this, that, or the other thing. And so I think just going down and not saying I'm going to write today to just write today, but having some sort of game plan or mission or, or goal, I think is really helpful because writing, you know, when you're just like sitting there looking at a blank, you know, screen or looking at a blank page, like it's very daunting. You're not, you know, a, a sculptor at least has the clay in front of them. You're literally creating the clay out of, out of the ether, out of nothing. And so that's, you know, that's a challenging thing. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's tough, man. And, you know, uh, it's, it's just, uh, one of those things it's with time you get better at it. Right. Exactly. There's, but no one wants to hear that. Unfortunately, it's like, a everyone wants to knock out your masterpiece on the first go, but even the people who 
you think made a masterpiece, guarantee you that they will easily destroy whatever that they made. They, they would easily pick it apart and say, like, I could have done this better, I could have done this better, I could have done this better. And even people who, you know, kind of going back to your imposter syndrome comment from a while back, like, there are creators that I still have an insane amount of respect for that think that they write shit. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me, you're pumping out gold. But I get it, you know, to a degree, you can always look at the things where you can do better. I think the difference is understanding, you know, like when you're starting out, understanding it, it's just it's not going to be the best thing. And the more you chip away at it, the better it's going to be. And it's, it is being pulled from the ether, but at the same time, that story is also inside you. So, I mean, it's only you can tell that story in your head, that specific way. Like, we could both tell a Star Wars story, but how yours is going to come out and how mine's going to come out are going to be two completely different things inherently. Even if we had the same like plot beats of like Luke does this, Darth Vader does this, the emotional core is going to be completely different. I, I completely agree with you. I remember I was talking to um, kind of a newer writer um, at uh, a con I was at, and um, we were just kind of going back and forth about kind of writing process stuff. And I was like, you know, he was talking about how he was he was always comparing his work to like some of his favorite writers and like how his work he just wants to get his work as good as you know insert whatever writer um, you want right and I was like man that's like the you're just like setting yourself up for failure because you're never gonna be that writer and you should never strive to be that writer uh, you know conversely like that writer could never write what you're writing just you know just like what you said we you could have the same exact you know plot beats and same exact characters but it's going to come out different that's why when a new writer takes over like batman or a new writer takes over the x-men it has a completely different feel than when um you know the past writer took it over yeah and i mean that's the beauty of comics to a degree but it's just that's never Having been a new, you know, writer back in the day, I guess, um, time flies, but I wanted the magic potion, you know what I mean? I think everyone wants the magic potion of, like, you know, you get the level up and you can just do it, um, but there's a time investment. Uh, maybe, maybe I have to put in more time than you, or maybe you have to put in more time than me to get to that level that you're at. Everyone's journey is a little different, but, you know, it's, it's a commitment. You know, it's not... By chance, have you followed a... There's a web cartoon called uh, Sarah's Scribbles? I do not follow it. What's Sarah's Scribbles? Uh, it's so good. It, it's basically millennial humor, but it's uh, this one cartoon was this person asking her how she got so good at drawing, and her answer is always practice. And the person's like, oh, you must have just been born with it, or, you know, like all these other answers. And she's just like, practice, practice. <laughs> and uh, it's true, you know, it's like, I guess everyone kind of starts at a different level. You know, some people inherently catch on faster. But you're right, there, there's nothing good that comes out of comparing ourselves to our favorite creators. What 
is worth doing, though, is if you really admire a creator, it's worth tracking down a lot of interviews to figure out how they got to that point, how they approach a page, how they handled the genre, how they dealt with their failures, because they, without a doubt, even maybe your favorite story might be their least favorite work. That, that's a very real possibility. And just kind of grabbing as much information and be a sponge. I completely, yeah. I completely agree with you, man. Like being a sponge or finding an author and, and, you know, following them and seeing how their process is. And maybe, you know, everyone has their own process. And I think that's why so many people, so few people really talk about their, their process because it's kind of very personal to them and it's very different for each person. Um, and even for some writers or some, some creators, it's different each project. You know, if we're talking comic specific, it might be um, different um, with each creator. Like I know Scott Snyder writes his scripts differently depending on who he's working with. So that's why he very rarely releases them because they look different each time. Um, and so like one thing I know you were talking about this to me um, a couple months back. Um, but there was like a really cool exercise you did. And I, I followed suit. Um, I, I did it too, and I, I found a lot of really cool things about myself and storytelling. But uh, it was where you you find a story that you like and you kind of rewrite it. Um, can you do you remember what I'm talking about? And can you walk us through that? Oh yeah, um, this is something I grabbed from another creator I like. But reverse engineering a story that you respect. So I think the example from back in the day was that you can make the Star Wars story into a crime epic easily by making it like Darth Vader is the protagonist and Darth Vader is the cop and he's trying to get back his kids who have been corrupted by this crazy older criminal. So basically it just completely shifts the dynamics of Star Wars but it, all of the templates are there. You can just play with them as a completely different set of toys. Or just like even the notion of, uh, if you want to take a superhero example, but how many Superman knockoffs are there in comics? M more than I can count? Exactly. So you can play with that basic idea of a Superman-type power set, but you can do an infinite number of things with them just using that inspiration point. I mean, hell, Watchmen, its entire thing was it was supposed to be Charlton Heroes. Um, Blue Beetle, uh, Captain Atom, I forget a couple of the other, other ones. But they were supposed to be other characters than the original ones they became. That was their template they were based upon. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, uh, Alex, first off, you know, thank you so much uh, for, that was like a hard cut, but whatever. Uh, thank you so much for, I'll edit all the, all the, all the nonsense out, uh, from me, but, uh, you know, thank you for, uh, for doing this with me, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Dude, you're, uh, it, it's absolutely awesome. Um, so where, uh, where can we find you on social media? Where can people go find, uh, your book and, um, yeah, all that, all that good, all that jazz. And I'll put it in the show notes too. Absolutely. Well, uh, right now, I have a Twitter. You can look at me at uh, A underscore underscore, my last name, Breen, B-R-E-E-N. 
You can also look at me on Instagram at Alex Brink Comics. I guess if you really want to look for me on Facebook, you can look for my name if you really wanted to. Um, but that's not something I really use a whole ton. And then as far as where you can get From Within Volume 1, you can go on to Etsy and type in From Within, and I can personally ship you a copy. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again for uh, doing this with me. It was absolutely awesome to chat with you, man. I, I, I miss our uh, our coffee chats, and, uh, you know, I, I had a blast, man. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for being my first guest, dude. Absolutely, man. I'm honored. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I had to talk to you, man. I, I just, you know, I really respect um, your point of view and your, your taste and your eye for comics, and I thought it would, you know, like I said, I, I was in awe of your just your your tenacity to make things happen and i thought you'd be perfect for the first episode of this well i i just can't stop saying uh thanks man that really that means a lot <laughs> you're welcome man and you know i'm 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 really happy you uh we met at comic-con revolution and i'm glad we uh we started talking and going to get some coffee talking to comic stop and you know now we're uh we're uh we're doing some uh some comic related things together man absolutely on to bigger and better things right <laughs>